0: everyone, my name is Michelle and welcome to romcom weekly. today my friend John is back. We're gonna talk about crazy rich Asians a revisit. Hi John
1: Revisit so excited um, <laughs> I'm so happy to be back. I'm so honored that I get to do a revisit after I've hounded you so everybody knows she's pretty much doing this because I hounded her. I was like we wow. need to do this movie again. There were injustices I must address. <laughs>
0: I love it. I'm so happy to have you back. I'm excited. I'm ready to take this on with you. So for listeners out there, I talked about Crazy Rich Asians with Frank, my husband, but John wanted to talk about it. And I'm more than happy to talk about this movie again. So let's just go through the broad strokes of this movie for the listeners out there. This movie was released in August of 2018 It was directed by John M. Chu, based on a book written by Kevin Kwan, screenplay written by Adele Lim and Peter Chiarelli. It stars Constance Wu, Henry Golding, Aquafina, Gemma Chan, and Michelle Yeoh. The IMDb.com summary is, This contemporary romantic comedy based on a global bestseller follows a native New Yorker, Rachel Chu, to Singapore to meet her boyfriend's family. It has a 6.9 on IMDb. It's the sixth highest grossing rom-com of all time, with a box office gross of $238 million worldwide. And it was nominated for two Golden Globes in 2019 for Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical for Constance Wu and Best Motion Picture, Comedy or Musical.
1: That, that Constance Wu nomination was surprising, <laughs> to be honest.
0: <laughs> I So I actually looked at who else was nominated, and it was the year of The Favourite, that British uh. film. Yes. So I think that's the film that took most of the awards home that night. But uh, I think I was surprised when I learned that she was nominated, but happy to have that representation.
1: Yeah, I was happy for the representation, but I was also like objectively, uh, hmm, don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it because I have more to say about that. Yeah. But now that we have that out of the way, John, what are you rating this movie on a scale from one to 10?
1: Okay, so I need to point out that part of the reason why i basically hounded michelle about doing this movie again was because i thought yours and frank's ratings of this movie was criminally low criminally <laughs> low because when you can think about the fact that you base you initially gave friends with benefits a 7.0 which mm. which is basically what you gave this movie I mean, mm-hmm. I know eventually you did. I, I basically kind of convinced you to lower your rating unintentionally, by the way, because I wanted you to just right. feel free to just do whatever. But the fact that you are willing to put this on par with friends with benefits, that that's just mm. not right. That's okay. not right. OK, so I hear you. cultural significance aside, I actually like this movie. I think it's good. I think there are several sort of. Like I mean, there's great representation, obviously, but I think just as a movie, I think it flows really well. It holds up pretty well. Um, So I am giving this movie a nine point five. Whoa! Yes, that's why I was like, there is no way I can let it stand that you're giving this a seven, and I will go into great detail as to why it is this high because it has rewatchability, which is rare for me for a rom com. Uh Representation obviously matters, and so I like there's that because I mean, up until. Besides this movie, like, I mean, the closest thing you really got to sort of an Asian rom-com was, like, Joy Luck Club, Mm -hmm. which is really not a rom-com. Right. So, you know, I think there is a lot to unpack with this movie besides it just being a rom-com, and I think that's why I liked it so much.
0: Wow, 9.5, John. Okay. Yes. I'm going through my my mental history right now with the movies that we've talked about in the past, and this is definitely the highest rated rom-com you've given a movie. Yes.
1: Because I think it's also far superior to any of the other movies we've watched.
0: Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so now I understand why you have such passion in wanting to talk about this movie again. This is
1: why I started all those text messages being like, I can't believe what you did (laughs) to Crazy Rich Asians. It's not right. You guys should have done more.
0: (laughs) True. I did get a lot of texts from you. You were like in sheer shock, sheer disbelief.
1: I couldn't believe it.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Okay, well, don't get mad at me.
1: I'm not going to get mad, but I will have thoughts.
0: <laughs> I am increasing my points from my conversation with Frank, but I'm not giving it that much more points. Um, I'm going to a 7.5. Oh my gosh, it's still too low. It's still in your, yeah. Now that I know where you stand, 7.5 is clearly too low in your opinion.
1: I'm not expecting you to come up to my range. I just thought that you would at least go above an 8 just because yeah. I thought we'll get into it. We'll get I will. Into it. I will get you closer to my score. You don't have to come up <laughs> to where I am because you know I. I have like there are definite feelings I have about this movie, which I know other people won't relate to. But I think you know, as an Asian American, I think there are there are several references in here which just sort of hit like they just hit home with me. So I was like, mm. I, I can't, I can't ignore that.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I'm very intrigued about what we're going to talk about here. Okay, so let's start with your relationship with this movie.
1: Yeah. So I, I, it was really random. So the weekend this movie came out, I was actually traveling with friends um, out of the country. I mean, I was, it was in Canada mm-hmm. um, and we were supposed to be doing a hiking trip. And then I was actually bummed because I was like, oh, like, obviously I was excited for the hiking trip, but I was thinking, oh, it's opening weekend for crazy Rich Asians. I got to show up for the people and make sure that we bumped those opening weekend numbers up. Mm-hmm. Um, but what ended up happening was there were wildfires happening in the national parks that we were visiting. And so because mm-hmm. of all the smoke, we actually had to change plans and ended up being near a movie theater. So we went to go watch this movie and I was very excited to do so because representation matters.
0: Yeah, okay, so you were in Canada.
1: Yes, of all places. <laughs> of all
0: places, yeah. <laughs> I remember exactly where I was. I saw this at the Union Square Regal Theater in Union Square in nice. New York City. And I went for the gold open. I went with Gold House and tried to, as you said, push those box office numbers high for opening weekend. I remember getting like a commemorative like sunglasses and like what? just like random tchotchkes. Yeah, it was it was fun. I was really proud to show up for my community when I saw this movie. But yeah, since then, I've seen this a number of times. So proud, obviously, for this Asian-American rom-com, which had never been done before. And as you said, Joy Luck Club was, I think, the only other studio film that featured an all Asian or Asian-American cast. But that is definitely not a rom-com. Yeah. Question for you is, have you read these books? The trilogy books? I of have looks?
1: not read the books. Okay. I am not... A book
0: reader. (laughs) Got it. Fair enough. I just wanted to ask the question. I have read all the books, but I'll be honest with you, they they left my mind once I closed the book. I don't remember what happens or what continued to happen in books two and three. So this movie has just become what Crazy Rich Asians is to me.
1: I mean, from what I've read, the books and the movie don't quite follow each other exactly the same because mm-hmm. I was I was curious about what the sequel was going to be. So I, I was looking into it um, and I was like, oh, the sort of portrayal of things is, is a little bit different. I mean, it's it's obviously still, you know, the basis is still the same, but mm-hmm. these sort of details get a little changed, which, you know, is, is common with with book adaptations.
0: Right. And in book two, which I think is called oh no, what is the book called? I, I have it in my called,
1: notes. Uh like crazy Asian it girlfriend is or something China, like that.
0: China China Rich Girlfriend.
1: Oh yeah. I hate I kinda hate that title. <laughs> it's
0: it is yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah. The focus is on different characters. So Nick yeah. and Rachel are no longer the main characters in in the continuation of the story. Right. But anyway, let's talk about some things you like about this movie. For nine point five. Yes. What are some things you like about
1: it okay i have actually a very long list of things i like but first and foremost it's so many asian culture references i love it Mm. the lactose intolerance comments (laughs) 100 percent um the packing snacks for the plane when rachel and nick are going on the plane i was like we've all been there um you know the emphasis on food as a sign of love and bonding that's a huge Mm. part of asian culture and then Especially the scene where the grandma is judging Rachel's face, like holding yes. her, and just being like, oh, you have such a pleasant nose and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and then also that sort of opening, that sort of opening silo of like the messaging and gossip montage. I was yeah. like, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed all of that. Also, just because, like you know, I, I kind of mentioned it at the top. It's, you know, that's something obviously I relate to mm. a lot. But I also enjoyed the sort of like blend of Western and Eastern worlds. I think, you know, being an Asian American, like there is a ton of, you know, a ton of that in my life and a ton of that with the people that I'm friends with as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the movie sort of portrayed that in a really, really nice way because you just don't really sort of see... I guess you don't really sort of see that perspective portrayed so well. Usually like when you have that it's just, you know, if if it's an Asian in the movie like they're just, you know, they're very westernized and that's pretty much it. Um mm-hmm. so you don't really get that sense of like how the the two sort of influence the person. And yeah, I mean, Nick being surprisingly grounded despite his family's wealth, which I know was a point that you and Frank had talked about <laughs> in terms of whether or not he's an idiot or if he's just being grounded, I am choosing to view it as he's kind of grounded but I wow. think it's because of I mean, we can talk about it a little bit more later, but I think there are sort of aspects of his life that sort of explain why he is the way he is, but mm-hmm. not. But I don't chalk that up to him being stupid. I enjoyed also the sort of like symmetry of Rachel chasing Eleanor's approval, while mm-hmm. like Eleanor was also sort of mentioning that she didn't really have, you know, the grandma's approval initially when she wanted to marry Nick's father. So I mm-hmm. thought like that was a nice touch because that is, you know, again, sort of an ongoing theme within like Asian cultures, I think. Yeah, And again, they had like the sort of reversal of roles where like all the women are actually, you know, pretty strong, but the men are kind of all babies
0: in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
1: I mean, like the soundtrack for this movie is fantastic. I enjoyed the fact that like all the music in there, you know, was, you know, they were Chinese covers of songs and I enjoyed that. Like, I think that was an important aspect and sort of like played into the theme. I know Frank had mentioned that he was kind of hoping there'd be more American pop and I was like, no. Absolutely not. That would have not flowed well with this movie Mm. because I think, you know, having those Chinese covers sort of like reinforces that sort of blend of East and West also, especially like, you know, when they did the cover of material girl during the makeover montage. I was like, this is perfect. I wrote that
0: down too. I am, I'm a hundred percent with you on the music. I think that they made the correct choice to do covers of these famous, famous pop songs. And it really kind of immersed you more into this world in Singapore and in terms of the music, I also really loved the Kina Grannis cover. Oh, oh yeah. That song. She's I mean, so she's, good. You just,
1: she's so good.
0: So good. You feel the emotion behind it. It was perfect for... What's her name? Shoot. It was perfect for when she walks down the aisle for the yeah. wedding. I great.
1: also enjoyed the fact that they synced the water, because she started singing Like the River Flows, and that's mm. when the water started happening. And I was like, yes.
0: <laughs> so literal. <laughs>
1: cues. Love it. Oh, totally a fan. <laughs>
0: I agree with you. I, I'm hearing you on, on things you liked. I, I think I felt really seen in many of the scenes of this movie. Everything that you said about grandma and like the, the nice nose. I feel like I was definitely judged by other grandmas. Like they definitely point out facial features on me before. Yeah, it, 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 yeah it, it was it was nice to see that. But also like, oh, OK, so I'm not alone in experiencing these things for my for my youth.
1: But I think that's also like one of the other main like reasons why this movie is so like is so important. I guess not important Mm. to me, but why I enjoyed it so much. It's like, yeah, I feel seen because like those like things. It's like people don't understand. Mm -hmm. Like that stuff happens all the time, (laughs) and it's just like a con. Like you know, that sort of family judginess is definitely a big part of our lives.
0: (laughs) Yes, hundred percent. You mentioned food i have to double down on that i think we don't really see a lot of mainstream films talk about or show asian food in asia right like we yeah. see like chinese takeout containers and like american mainstream movies and doesn't give asian food justice but i think this movie really leans into that makes it beautiful it's a craft it's it looks pretty the whole hawker scene in Singapore. That was the one I
1: really enjoyed because I was like, have you been
0: to Singapore before?
1: I haven't been to Singapore, but I think, you know, I've been to Taiwan a bunch of times and obviously like that sort of like hawker culture is, you know, a big part of it. I mean, it's kind of the stuff that you look forward to because it's just fun to just walk down the street and just have like all these amazing options available to you. And I think like that is an important thing to sort of show that it's not just sort of like, yeah, like you said, Chinese takeout and that's it.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I loved it. It made me miss traveling to Asia. I'm not sure when that'll happen next, but yeah, <laughs> it was really nice to see all that in a really, really positive light. Um, I'm giving this a 7.5, which in your opinion is too low and it, it might be be honestly and the truth of the matter is i do like this movie it's a really fun movie and it's a good time i think when i like really sit and think about this movie i put a lot of weight on this film that's fair it's an all asian asian american cast i think this is the second time we've gotten this kind of movie in a main in a a studio release at least and it's impossible to be everything to everyone right like yeah i think i walked in with like really really high expectations like oh i'm gonna Feel this or feel that and I probably did feel all the feelings but I think just because we get such a limited amount of representation, I struggle with this a little bit, but I'll I'll save that for a little bit later. Um, Yeah, but I will admit it's a really, really fun movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I'm with you too. I mean, I think, I mean, before this movie came out, I was, you know, you're almost kind of nervous because you're like, oh gosh, mm-hmm. I just really want this to be good because yeah. I don't want people to just be like, oh, like, why are they doing this? I want them mm-hmm. to sort of walk out of the movie and be like, oh, that was fun. I enjoyed it. They should make more of these. Right. Um, and so I think that was kind of like my, my trepidation kind of going into it was just like, I just really want this movie to be good. Yeah. But I wasn't sure exactly like, you know, what to expect because, you know, on top of the fact it's Asian representation, it's also it's a rom-com too. So I'm just like, how is it going to play out? Because, you know, obviously people aren't going to relate to it the same way, you know, as Asian Americans or just Asians in general will to it. So I think it's important to sort of have, you know, actually just have it be a good movie and an enjoyable movie, even if you don't like 100% relate to, you know, all the different sort of details that are put in there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I said this before, I think, in the previous recording of this movie, and I'll say it again. I'm going to say it loud and proud is that we need more sexualization of Asian American men.
1: (laughs) I was wondering if you were going to bring up again. So as part of my research, I was re-listening to the first episode again. And I love when you got to that part, because I can just sort of hear. I mean, Frank also (laughs) says he's like, I'm right here, but I can just feel it even without hearing anything or seeing anything. Frank's just sort of like, what the, what the heck Michelle like what?
0: right right I mean yeah like I want Asian men to be objectified as well like it, it doesn't really happen that often yeah and I think it needs to be more be more normal normalized
1: because yeah. I guess also when you brought up that point I was like huh like I hadn't thought about it mm. but then when you brought it up I was like yeah like the only other sort of st- thing i can vaguely think of is like i guess yeah in in gi joe retaliation there was like oh. the one scene with storm shadow when he comes out of the tank and he's shirtless and he looks super ripped and i was like oh we don't really get this much i guess besides in action movies like this is about as close as we get to sexualization of asian men so yeah
0: at least in mainstream I'll, I'll caveat yeah. everything with it being mainstream
1: mainstream yeah for sure
0: like shang chi and the ten rings yeah. came out yeah a few months ago and yeah simu liu has his shirt off great love it i'm here for it and yes. i just want more of that
1: and it was kind of gratuitous but i was like yeah it was i'm okay So with gratuitous. It. <laughs> i
0: mean come on how often yeah. do we see naked women dancing around and yes. that being gratuitous i just i want more of it for asian american men yeah i just want more of it <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean it's a valid point i just thank yeah. you it's just you know it's not, obviously, it's not for me, so I don't care, but I understand why it's important and I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. That's
0: Thanks, Josh. Yeah. In terms of relatability of this movie, I do have family that live in Singapore and Indonesia and the family that live there are on the wealthier side. Nice. And so I, I feel...
1: But are they on the crazy rich wealthier side or is it just they're, they're rich?
0: They're, they're quite wealthy. I don't know okay. if I would put them as crazy rich, but they are rich. I've been to some weddings out there and it's a whole different world. So I, I kind of <laughs> kind of see that in Araminta and Colin's wedding.
1: Was there water?
0: Um, there was no water, <laughs> but lots of over the top. It's just so different from the Western weddings that we grew up going to. Yeah. So it was just kind of fun. And there there is a lot of that in my family where it's you know we have to approve of one's partner right um and it's a very deliberate choice it's like okay you want to be with somebody bring him home and bring his family home and we will sit we will have a meal and we will get to know each other and if that meeting does not go well you can no longer see this person
1: so i have to ask how did that meal go with frank and your family <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to tell me, but I'm just curious. I mean,
0: clearly Frank and I are married and...
1: Right. We know that's a happy ending. I just want to know what... I want to know the conflict, the struggle. I need to know all the other stuff in between.
0: (laughs) There was no conflict. There was a lot of nerves. Understandable. Because... I pushed for the families to meet. Frank was like, do they have to meet? I was like, uh, it'll mean <laughs> a lot to me." Frank was like, do they have to meet? <laughs> <laughs> Most Frank, Frank comment think, like, ever. He's very American, Americanized. He's like, why, why does it matter if my mom cares or doesn't care? That That's kind of his thought process. But I was like, no. I really want our families to meet before we get really serious. Yeah, we had a dinner in Chinatown, and it was great. I was really nervous. I think Frank was nervous too, but yeah, all good things.
1: Is that really a strictly i guess eastern thing though because i feel like even with western families they still want to meet the other family at least a little bit i mean mm. i think you know there are different levels to the judge like the judgment but i still think the meeting of the families is a fairly common thing i could become mm. wrong but i sort of feel like it's a very common thing
0: uh it could be i actually am under the impression that it's not a very common thing okay i've had a few friends who parents meet like the weekend they get married or the kids are engaged already and then the parents meet. Hmm. I thought that I was the unusual one actually where I was like this has to happen otherwise Frank we cannot really move forward.
1: I don't think that's that unique. I've had friends who wanted to make sure it was I, mean, I think there are different levels to it depending on what your relationship is with <laughs> with your family but
0: sure exactly
1: but I think I think women usually want that to happen because it's important to them to make sure that the, the families are compatible as well just because mm-hmm. you know you don't want sort of that awkwardness going forward into the future but yeah I don't think that's that weird that you wanted to do that makes sense
0: yeah thanks but yeah no no drama no conflict thank God because <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't need more conflict or drama <laughs> in my life. So I'm very blessed in that sense that the families get along, there's no weirdness and stuff like that. So and I know that's not the case for every family. Are there other things you like about this movie?
1: Uh, I mean, I think to go f- more forward into the music, I d- also appreciated the fact they included that cover of Yellow. I mean, I was mm-hmm. there was an article about it, about how the director, John Chu, actually wrote a letter to Coldplay requesting it because it was so important to him to make sure they had it, just to sort of, like, own that term, Yellow. Um, mm-hmm. Because I guess, you know, people can sort of view it in different ways in terms of, like, how, like, what their association with, like, you know, calling Asians Yellow But it was really important to him that they have it in there as a way to own it. And I appreciated that, Mm. you know, in general, the music in here was awesome. And I also appreciated just like the thought that went into it.
0: Yeah, I, I saw that article or that trivia point also, which I have here for us to talk about later, but... I don't remember the lyrics of Coldplay's Yellow. So when I saw that trivia point, I was like, oh, this this kind of feels like a little bit of a stretch to me. Yeah. But I can understand that the director wants to reclaim the word yellow in terms of empowering us yeah. as a community.
1: Because I don't really think it's really the lyrics because lyrics don't really... Yeah, I mean, the lyrics don't really say much in terms of the actual term itself. I think it's just the title of it and wanting to use
0: it. <laughs> right. But, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I mean... I I get it. And I appreciate the thought of saying like, I need this song to really reinforce what I'm trying to get here. And I like that.
0: Yeah, go John Chu.
1: Yeah, he knows what's up.
0: Randomly to talk about John M. Chu, the director for a little bit. He did In the Heights. Yes. And I think his next project is Wicked.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for it.
0: So he's clearly like kind of going on this like musical route, which I'm all for it
1: yeah i mean i think i also the the thing that you notice a lot and you know and it's another thing i liked was just the use of color in this movie it's just a very pretty movie to look at Mm -hmm. um and you just sort of get a lot of like like just the colors just really pop out and you notice it a lot as you're watching the movie and that's also something you sort of see within the heights as well you can you can tell it's a john m chu movie just because of like how bright and vibrant everything seems and so i think that sort of added to why i enjoyed it so much because it just makes you feel you know happy
0: happy yeah absolutely it's a very happy bright colorful film and I I totally get those feelings too yeah okay so let's talk and let's move on to things we don't like about this movie I'm very curious for 9.5
1: so I don't have a ton of stuff that I don't like I mean obviously the exaggeration I feel like of some of the family members especially Eddie which I don't understand Ah. how he's your favorite character (laughs)
0: oh, was he? Did I say that?
1: Yes, you said that. I made a note of it because I was like, I can't believe she said
0: this. <laughs> I, I remember forcing myself to come up with a character for that conversation. And I wanted to kind of come up with a controversial pick.
1: Definitely controversial.
0: Controversial, yes. <laughs> but I think he actually is the one who puts things in a perspective in a realistic way, right? There's well, that one scene at the bachelor party where he asks Nick, he's like, what's Rachel bringing to the table? And I think this really is pointed because Nick doesn't think about that. He's just like, I love her. And that's all that should matter, right? Whereas the family, they're so status conscious, and they want to keep the families within the same status. So they marry people who also have money. So I think that Eddie, while his delivery was, you know, in poor taste, I think that he brought up a really good point. It's like, and I think I said realistic already, but I'm going to say it again, but it, it really is kind of how, how does this marriage benefit the family? Because in this Asian society, that's kind of all that matters.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I hear you. I think, you know, it's important that there is somebody there to sort of point out, that, that sort of evaluation that happens. But I don't know if it needs to happen through that kind of a character. Because, I mean, Colin brings it up too when they do that sort mm. of, you know, side bachelor party thing with just the two of them. Like, they're they're basically like their bro date. off to like that random island, which I also right. was like, that was kind of like a random thing. But, I mean, I get why they had to do it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Colin brings it up too. He's like, are you sure, you know, she's ready for all that stuff? And I sort of feel like he could have also been that sort of, you know, that source of reason. And, I mean, he's his yeah. best friend. So, I think that you know, already happened. I mean, I think Eddie's character just sort of serves that role of like, this is how ridiculous the other family members are. But I mean, so does, you know, so does Jimmy Yang's character. (laughs) And so does like, you know, Remy High's, like Remy High's character, like they all like all, like the other cousins sort of do that already. And so I don't know if, you know, it just sort of piled on. And I also just sort of feel like, Chang like he only plays one kind of character, which is the Asian jerk, and I feel bad for him because I don't want him to sort of only be typecast in that one thing because he's a funny dude. But I just, you know, I want something else for him.
0: <laughs> I I hear you. That makes sense. Yeah, that's fair.
1: You know, the I get the plot device of it that it's supposed to show. You know, you need to have the crazy because it's in the title, so you mm-hmm. got to show some crazy. So I get it, but I thought it was a little exaggerated uh, at, at times. Um, the psychological warfare was something you brought up, which I thought was a very valid point. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it that much. I thought it was a little bit much. I I, I think it's important to show it, but I don't know if... All the things like, you know, putting the fish head, like the dead fish in her bed. Like, I don't know if that's really psychological warfare if that's just sort of like, that's just more terrorism than it is psychological warfare. Sure. So I thought like, you know, all the little like comments or whatever, that seems more on par with it. You know, people talking shit about her behind her back as she's walking by like that is more like, yeah, that's the kind of psychological warfare that happens. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Also, Frank's favorite character was pt and i was like no no that cannot (laughs) be your favorite character like why would you pick the guy who is literally the creepy stereotype of the kid who just sort of is awkward and can only sort of take pictures of people in a weird way and is socially just not there i'm like that is not the character you want representing your people
0: (laughs) i don't remember what his justification was but yeah no he was his justification was like oh
1: i can relate to the socially awkward person i was like yes but that's socially awkward (laughs) <laughs> like come on like we don't need that i mean we've seen the stereotype before of like mm-hmm. you know the creepy asian dude who's just obsessed with taking pictures and like that's all he can do it's like i don't need this i don't right. want this in here you're talking about representing us in the right way we don't need this character in here it's just no
0: yeah i, I hear you on that mm-hmm. it's the
1: same thing as like you know like chucking no strings attached like yeah, you know, again it's the asian dude just running around taking pictures i was like we don't need this yeah like, if it was, like, PT, like, taking pictures of his food, fine. Like, <laughs> I'm 100% guilty of that. That is definitely a thing that happens. I'm fine with that being on screen. But I don't need the creepy photo taker Asian. Mm. That's this dumb stereotype that I don't want in this movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of stereotypes, I'll pile on a little bit here. I didn't like Ken Jong's character. Yeah, that's fair. It it was just cringeworthy. You yes, know, for sure. a lot of his scenes, like, with the coming in with a heavy accent, which is, like, his thing because he's from hangover and that's what he did as i forget the character's name in the the hangover but (laughs) yeah yeah, i was just like is this really your shtick ken jong it's not necessary you're funny you don't have to dumb yourself down to this level to get a laugh out of us and maybe you know it, it wasn't that deep in the moment when he decided to make that choice but right it's just like come on
1: so i will say in sort of defense of that I think it was more done as a way to sort of show like, oh, we don't actually all talk like this, because he sort of does it as a joke. And then he flips it being like, oh, I'm just kidding. Like, I'm totally, you know, I went to Berkeley, like, I'm, I'm actually like a well educated person too. like, I don't have an accent. Mm -hmm. So I sort of feel like it was done as a way to sort of show that sort of that flip side to it of like, you know, not every Asian person has a really thick accent, or even if Mm -hmm. they do, like, it's not like they're dumb or something. It's just you know, yeah. that's just something that happens, but it's not all Asian. So I feel like because they did it in sort of that manner, I it didn't bother me as much. It was a little overdone, but I sort of feel like, you know, you're just emphasizing the contrast between the two. So I feel like it's okay.
0: Got it. Yeah, I can see that perspective as well.
1: So the other thing I didn't like about it was... Constance was acting was a little inconsistent for me I know you guys had talked about it in your episode as well and I mm. I, I, I agreed with it I think most of the family interactions that she had except for the mahjong scene were a little like uh like it didn't mm. feel it felt very I guess contrived it felt a little like fake like it, it didn't portray her in the best light but mm-hmm. the more emotional moments I feel like she actually did nail and there was you know there's actual depth to her performance there so I feel like it was just kind of there was a little bit of good and and a little bit of bad. It just, I would have liked a little more consistency there.
0: (laughs) A million percent. um, At the top of this, we were like, oh, Constance Wu, surprised that she got nominated. Yeah. Yeah, this is where I come in with my Constance Wu gripes as well. And, And I forget what I said on the other episode, but I had the same notes as you do. I don't think she's particularly great at the comedy bits. Yeah. She really brings the weight in the emotional scenes, and I think she's so good in those. She's such a good crier. Yeah. Have you She's seen Hustlers?
1: A... Yes, I saw Hustlers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought she was great in that. I think she does really good in drama, uh, dramatic parts. I think the comedy, it it felt a little like forced and contrived and she looked and felt like she was out of her element. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I liked her ultimately, obviously, but I just didn't love this performance. And I only watched, I think, one season of Fresh Off the Boat, so I'm not totally familiar with her.
1: I mean, yeah. Speaking of Asian accents, I mean, I uh, like there are parts of Fresh Off the Boat where I'm like, oh, you know, I relate to this. It's, you know, it's cool. But like it it really toes a line between being, you know, relatable and and, like at times offensive. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think her performance in that makes total sense because she's good at sort of I guess playing that Asian stereotype Mm. Um, but yeah I mean I think I think you're right like I kind of went back and forth in terms of like how to judge her performance in the family interactions because I think you know to your point she is trying to sort of convey that sense of how out of her element she is and how Mm -hmm. awkward it is for her but I think in doing that she doesn't quite hit that balance of like conveying the awkwardness with also you know not being too fake about it which is I which is admittedly you know a hard line to sort of toe, but I think it wasn't quite what I wanted.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have one more thing to add about Constance Wu and this is an incredibly nitpicky, incredibly critical point and I apologize if people get offended by this, but
1: <laughs> I'm here for it, but okay. <laughs>
0: I and this is maybe because just I'm a woman and I'm watching another woman on screen and I was just like, I just don't love how the makeup department decided. <laughs> to do her makeup and hair in this movie. <laughs> like she's trying to impress the family. So she's dolled up a lot. Constance Wu was a naturally beautiful woman. And I think like they just did a little, they went a little too harsh on the makeup. And I was just so critical. I was like, why did they decide to go with the glitter eyeshadow or uh, like they really, it felt like they really overdrew her lips and gave her like really, I thought, kind of unflattering lipstick colors I don't know, maybe it's just me. And then I kind of dug a little bit deeper and like, why am I being so critical about this? And I think what this is, for me at least, is I think I have this weird complex. We talked about how this movie was great for having representation. Mm -hmm. And I realized, I think what it is for me is that I get a little self-conscious and maybe even a little defensive when I see an Asian American woman on screen. Uh What goes on in my mind is that everyone else in the world is seeing the same thing I'm seeing. They're mm-hmm. going to take away different things and they're going to be like, oh, all Asian women are like this or Asian women tend to do this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I need to set myself apart and be like, oh, but that's not me. Mm-hmm. We're not all like this. And just because there's like a handful of representation in mainstream movies, I don't want people to walk away being like, oh yeah, that's that's how it is for this these people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're not all the same, which I think a lot of people know, but... I just don't want to be compare contrasted with whoever we're seeing on screen. Does that, is that totally crazy? Does that make No, that is sense? not
1: crazy at all. I mean, I think it's the same, you know, I mean, it's that same feeling that like, you know, what I mentioned earlier about having that trepidation of going into it because you know, it's, you want it to be good. And I think that's mm-hmm. the same sort of thing with your point is you just want her to look good and you want her to be seen in the right way because you know, You said that representation is so important. So, I know I don't think that's crazy. I think it's hilarious, but (laughs) because I wasn't thinking at all about the makeup, I was like, I'm trying to think, I'm like, what was wrong with her makeup? But, like,
0: uh, I mean, to be honest with you, this was the first time, like, as a rewatch that I noticed this, and maybe I was looking for something to pick apart, right? But yeah, if you like go back and look at her, she's just so done up, and her hair and her makeup, they're just so curled and just yeah, like, but, like that's, very dramatic that's, that's makeup. like
1: every movie, like every female character in a movie is done up like like
0: You're that. you're totally right. But I think what I'm distracted by is that the, she's pretty like I feel like they could have used more of her natural beauty and more natural makeup. Yeah. Whatever. It's totally it critical, so nitpicky.
1: No, but I mean, I think it's fair. I think, you know, especially sensitive about it is understandable just because, you know, like you, like it just means it matters to you. And I don't think it's, you know, you're not criticizing her. You're just sort of criticizing the portrayal of it. And I think that's right. you know, that's fine. Um, she's a good looking person. Um, mm-hmm. Not to sound all LA, but like I worked, one of my coworkers is friends with her. So I met her at a party mm-hmm. once and I saw her and I was like, oh, this is before she was like, she'd done all, like, any of this stuff. Right. And I saw her at the party. And I was like, oh, she's actually really cute. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it's like, it's totally understandable that you would be extra sort of be nitpicky about it because it's important to you.
0: I'll give you another example from a okay. different movie. Yes. Have you seen To All the Boys i Love Loved Before? Yes. Okay. So love Lana Condor, love Laura Jean. I love those movies, but it's also very distracting. She obviously has fake eyelashes on. And <laughs> it's so obvious to me because as an Asian American woman, You know, we're not known for having extremely long eyelashes. So when it goes the complete opposite direction, it's like, oh, they're so fake. People are going to think like, oh, Michelle, why don't you have really long, fluttery eyelashes? I don't know. These are just dialogues I have in my own head. But I know that she was wearing falsies. (laughs) So stuff like that.
1: It's like, but I know this is what's happening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nitpicky again, but here we are.
1: Yeah. I mean, I understand
0: there's an important
1: aspect to it. It's just, again, it's yeah. the portrayal. It's a representation. Mm-hmm. And I think like, you know, it's just extra emphasis. So yeah, I, I don't think it's crazy. I understand.
0: <laughs> Thanks, John. You mentioned earlier that you are choosing to go down the route of Nick being optimistic, right? For lack of a better word.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it optimistic, but I think he, my sense of it was he, part of the reason why, I mean, he he says this also later in the movie is that if you, part of the reason why he loves her is because he knows that she's a very strong, independent woman. So I think that's why he feels a certain amount of comfort in like introducing her to the family because he knows that she is strong. I never really viewed it as like, oh, he doesn't know how bad it is. It's that he knows how strong she is. And that's why she's established as like, you know, this accomplished professor and like the strong, you know, she's a professor of game theory and she has tenure at New York University. Like that to me immediately sort of establish her as like oh she has her life together she's a badass and so like that's why i think it was nice that they had that scene up front before anything happened because it's like we're establishing this is her character and this is why this is important because of all the stuff that's about to happen later in the movie Mm -hmm. um and so i appreciated that you know I know Frank brought up the point of like, oh, how could he send, you know, his his girlfriend to a retreat with like his ex-girlfriend who was like totally crazy? I was like, well, yeah, but maybe I doubt she showed that crazy to him because, you know, if she is sort of like pandering to the family and sort of like wanting to be carried a certain way and understands how important that family is, of course, she's going to hide that side to her mm-hmm. um, and especially to him. So if he never really sees that because, you know, he sort of lives in sort of that that wealthy family bubble which we sort of know has affected his perspective on things. Like, I don't think he would necessarily know that those are the kind of lengths that she would go to. I think, like, he maybe thought, like, oh, there'll be some, like, psychological warfare. Where, like, yeah, they might talk, say some things behind her back or whatever, but he knows that Rachel can handle it, which is why he doesn't feel like he needs to do anything about it or, like, warn her about it, per se. Mm,
0: I hear you. But. But. (laughs) (laughs) I still maintain that Nick is a little bit clueless to his own detriment. Like, yeah. I think a lot of this could have been avoided. A lot of conflict between him and Rachel could have been avoided if he was just like, oh, by the way, my family is rich and they are of a certain way and have certain beliefs. Like, if I were to be Rachel and put myself in her shoes, I just want a heads up. I don't want to be blindsided after they come back from their respective bachelor and bachelorette parties. I have that conversation on the couch. Yeah. Like, that's all she was upset about was like, why didn't you just tell me any of this? Like, it's yeah. fine. I don't care that they're mean and catty. Just why didn't why did you withhold this important information from me? And like, that's why I think Nick was just being very clueless and didn't really have a sense of reality. And he, she kind of just put Rachel through like he fed her to the wolves, kind of.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, I think he does have at least some sort of sense of it, though, because, I mean, he does ask after when she tells him him about the fish thing, he's like, oh, is that all that happened? As if, to imply, like, he knows there is the possibility of more things that happened. I mean, I guess you could take it as, yeah, there's a little bit of naivete there, but I think that he also is trying to, in a sense, like, protect her by not telling her, you know, like, all these things so she doesn't go in, like, you know, super, super guarded and sort of, like you know, with with trepidation about it. I think I mean, I'm not saying he's right to do it that way, but Mm -hmm. I think I understand where he's coming from. I mean, I think if I mean I think not telling her he's super rich is understandable too, because I mean if he's grown up with women who know, you know, how well off his family is and know his status, like that's why they treat him a certain way. And I think he purposely sort of withholds that because he doesn't want her to sort of I mean I don't know if she would go quite to the same extreme in terms of the pandering or in terms of like changing how the way she acts around him. But I think he just mm-hmm. wants that completely blank slate. Now, mm. could he have told her a little bit more about it on the plane ride over? Like when she realized he's like, Oh, are you rich? Like, yeah, maybe, but right, I understand the decisions. I mean, again, I think that's also part of the reason why I like this movie is because like, I understand the decisions. Like it makes sense. Mm. Um, as I've established in many other episodes, I like it when things <laughs> make sense. And I yes. you know things make sense in this movie to me, which is why I liked
0: it. Mm. <laughs> That's a really good point. I think the motivation, I can understand his motivation for not wanting to tell Rachel the complete truth. Right. But if I can also understand that Rachel feels a little duped or not set up for success or just, yeah, just again, blindsided. So just, you know, miscommunication, uh, misunderstanding of expectations. These are all very human feeling so I I can understand that as well
1: but you can also tell how healthy the relationship is because they resolve it in a timely calm manner which is also important so
0: easily resolved yes you're
1: thinking (laughs) I would not be this okay that quickly But to me, that's like, yes, yes, healthy relationship. I'm glad they resolved it this way. He talked about it. He just apologized. He didn't make any excuses. Like, that's the way to handle it.
0: I think Nick handled it very well.
1: Yeah, I will say
0: he was like, I apologize. You're right. I should have done this. Like, sometimes in the heat of an argument, that's all you want to hear.
1: exactly. I mean, that's like relationship 101. And it was like, it took me a surprisingly dumb amount of time to realize, like, you know, sometimes all you need to just say is, I'm sorry, I was wrong and that's it. I was definitely a guilty in the past relationships of saying, "I'm sorry, but" and like yep. trying to explain things. It's like, "No, that's terrible. Just stop doing yeah.
0: that." <laughs> Pride is a real like relationship killer, yeah. for sure. I I definitely came to the table with a lot of that as well in the past
1: yeah i mean i again like that that comes up again a lot in the movie is you know the the family pride that's like the you know the sort of look of things and i think that's why you know that is the sort of source of a lot of the conflict and a lot of the you know things that happen which again makes things that happened understandable because i'm like Mm -hmm. yes pride is a stupid thing and that's why it makes people do stupid things
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely and i think this is a great segue into themes which I, I mean, I don't know. I think we've touched a lot upon them already. In terms of the context of this movie, any immediate takeaways for you here? I mean, I think the one
1: that you guys hit on a lot in the last episode, which I think is obviously really important, is the filial piety aspect. I think that mm-hmm. is, you know, obviously the sort of catalyst for a lot of the conflict and for, you know, a lot of the sort of like plot development. It is something that is obviously very, very important to, um, you know, Eastern families. And, and that's why the, all the characters act the way they do. Um, and so I think, you know, that to me was why, like, I I enjoyed how they sort of got from point A to point B because it's sort of, this was, you know, that overarching thing, like every, everyone's actions are dictated by this. And I think that also sort of lends itself to that theme of like, you know, lovers from different worlds. You know, it's like Asian versus mm-hmm. Asian American. Yep. You know, it, it's highlighted a lot by like, you know, when Rachel first meets Eleanor, you know, she immediately goes for the hug, which is mm-hmm. just not 100% <laughs> what Eastern families would go for necessarily, especially when you're like first meeting the parents. You know, I've, I've been guilty of that too, but you know, I think Eleanor's comment about how Rachel, you know, was pursuing her dream, and that's just like a very American aspect. And then it sort of contrasts Eleanor's story about how you know she gave up being a lawyer because she wanted to raise a family and understood mm-hmm. that like that was her her family duty. And so that again all relates back to that that sense of like filial piety, like the family comes first. Everything you do needs to be about the family, and so. I, I enjoyed like how they sort of played on that and showed the various like little aspects of it. And it's just like how the worlds are different and how they might all be coming from like, cause like to me, like there isn't necessarily like a villain. I think, you know, you guys talked about the two, like there's not really like a villain, like everybody's just trying to do what they genuinely think is right. I mean, they have weird ways of going about it, but I think part of what makes a good story is you understand the opposite side of it. You understand the side that's causing the conflict and for me, like you can under- you can a hundred percent understand like why most people are doing what they do. besides, you know, some of the crazy relatives. But you can mm-hmm. understand why Eleanor does it, and you can understand why like the grandma acts the way she does too. It's because of the sense of filial piety of like you know, family is the most important thing. So I'll do anything to protect it, and you know, these are the type of things that I will do to sort of make sure that like the family is preserved uh, mm-hmm. and the traditions are carried on.
0: Absolutely, a hundred percent. Everything you just said totally agrees. <laughs> I I don't really have anything to expand on that. But I did also want to mention that I think this depiction of Rachel, she's talking to her mom in the beginning before they even go to Asia. She's yeah. telling Rachel, like, you look you look Chinese, but you're not the same. Yeah. And I think that that is a bold statement for non Asians to understand. Yeah, it's like, Oh, you you are Asian. So you know, you must be x, y, and z. Yeah. But and I kind of love this depiction of Rachel not really fitting in in Asia, even though she is Asian. Yeah. And I think to the outside world, that's confusing. It's like, yeah, we look the same. But yet our mentality and a lot of our motivations are so different. Yeah. So I really, really liked that they showed that not all Asians think alike. Yeah, exactly. Asian Americans, we are a totally different beast than people who are born and raised in Asia.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've 100% been called a banana and I own it. Like, I understand that, like, my upbringing has made me very westernized and, like, I'm very different from, you know, a sort of more sort of traditional, like, Asian person mm-hmm. um that was the layer that I think I enjoyed the most because I'm like it is a very important point to make and to show on screen especially in such a mainstream film that there is a very clear difference in just sort of the thought process and how an Asian growing up in a western country is gonna have a very different mentality like we still share like some values but it's not going to be quite to the same extent and so I think there are layers to this movie that's also why I'm like mm. this movie cannot be lower than an eight because <laughs> Show me a rom com with this many layers, and I will be astounded. Like, come That's on,
0: I, I hear you on that. That makes a lot of sense. There are a lot of layers. You mentioned filial piety. I-, I wrote down here very specifically, like mothers and daughters and mothers and sons. Yes. Like every time a movie starts exploring dynamics between you know, parents and kids, that's when a movie will get me. That's yes. when it gets really emotional for me. Like, it's-
1: come on. <laughs> like Frank even said, oh, it, like even talking about the scene made him cry and he still gave it a seven. I was like, are you kidding me? Like this, this even talking about a scene from the movie makes you cry. That's at least
0: worth an eight. Like, come on. <laughs> I think it just goes to show furthering my, my point earlier. It's like, we just, ah, this movie means a lot, right? Yes. Like in many ways. And I think it did a really good job in showing these layers to yeah. your point.
1: But I think that family dynamic is something that's relatable to like all families, like everyone. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if they have a close relationship with their mom, like they're going to appreciate like, Oh, when mom comes to save the day, like when they're at a low point, but mom is there. Like, I mean, a lot of people can relate to that. That's not even like an East West thing. That's right. you know, That's an everybody thing. So that's why, again, I understand why people might not go as high as I did, but you you need to give this an 8 at least. Like, come on. Come
0: on. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe historically in the movies that I've talked about in the past, the ones that I rated really high, I think they're movies that I have grown up watching. Yes.
1: Nostalgia is a big Nostalgia factor. Nostalgia
0: factor is like at least a point, if not more, in some cases. And there's, you know, this movie came out three, four years ago. You know, it doesn't have the same weight. It's not something I grew up watching. It didn't inform a lot of my decisions. So it's easier to pick things apart. And I think that's how I'm approaching it. But I I totally concede this movie does have a lot of layers and very relatable layers.
1: I would actually argue that as an adult, that should make you appreciate it more. Because you sort of see those aspects of the family as you – because, like, I mean, even for me, like, admittedly, like, growing up, there were aspects to my family or, like, you know, my mom, like, how she raised me that I didn't understand and that I didn't appreciate until I got older and looked back Mm -hmm. on it and was like, oh, I understand why she was doing these things, why she was trying to teach me this. And I Mm -hmm. think that's why – I would actually argue that if you're younger, you would only relate to some of the stuff, but you wouldn't necessarily appreciate or understand, like, all the layers to it. And that's why Mm -hmm. I like – the movie because there's a little bit of something for everybody i i will say like the nostalgia factor is definitely a thing for you know how you would rate certain rom-coms but i think for me i mean rom-coms to me like ultimately boil down to you know they're, they're modern day fairy tales you know we've talked about it before mm-hmm. like they're fairy tales like do you you sort of see like the underdog person you know rise above and like get their happy ending and i think this movie is a good is a good representation of that i mean she doesn't necessarily like need her like the sort of textbook happy ending because she's already you know she's a modern day woman like she's independent she's already established herself she doesn't actually need the guy or need the marriage in order to like get her Mm -hmm. happy ending but she still rises above the conflict that arises and gets her happy ending which is why i think it's real and i like it but there's still sort of like that that sort of fantasy aspect of like, oh, like she met her Prince Charming and she didn't know all these things about him and then she discovers it and then she still gets to, you know, be with him at the end, which is still that sort of fairy tale ending, quote unquote, that you want.
0: Mm. That makes a lot of sense when you put it that way.
1: Yeah. See, it's at least an eight.
0: Come on. (laughs) Wait, so John, is this your favorite rom-com?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think this one and Crazy Stupid Love are probably my two favorites. I think like- you know with both of those movies you know there's obviously some exaggeration and with both of them but i think they ultimately carry a story that's relatable and that makes sense and that like has you know it has that sort of like fairy tale ending to it without being like so blatantly a fairy tale that it's not believable mm. and i think that's where i kind of draw the line for me
0: <laughs> got it got it okay I, I feel like I learned something about you just now. Okay. Oh, is that makes a good, lot thing? Of sense. That no, a good no, thing? No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> you put a lot of weight in like, makes sense. It needs to make sense for you to be on board.
1: I will say like, I know there are probably people being like, but movies are supposed to suspend disbelief. And yes, admittedly they are, but- mm-hmm. With this type of movie, like I'm not going to hold it to the same standards as I would an action movie, because to me, an action movie is by sure. definition supposed to be ridiculous, and therefore, it's not going to be believable, and there's not going to be things. But this, to me, rom-com, like, it's a romance, and so there should be some aspects of reality to it. I'm not saying it has 100% be realistic, right. but it still has to be grounded in some reality, in some way for me to actually be on board with it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, the the craziness of it is the comedy aspect. And so it just needs to sort of have that, strike that balance for me to appreciate it.
0: Fair enough. I hear you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I hear you, I guess.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I do. I do. I totally, I agree with you. That's why I think I like rom-com so much is that they're based in a lot of human emotion. And like, this is why I don't really relate to or really seek out, horror films, for example, right? Like, I don't really want to be scared on my downtime. (laughs) I want to feel comforted and optimistic and hopeful. And this is what rom-coms do for me. Do you have a favorite scene?
1: I have a few. But the one that I will talk about the most is the mahjong scene, because it's everything. It's it's literally everything. When you guys talked about it, I was a little I'll admit this is not a diss to first of all I would also like to point out I'm not trying to diss you or Frank in terms <laughs> of your your assessment you're obviously entitled sure. to your opinion I just have some disagreements okay but I thought your coverage on this scene was a little bit it wasn't where it needed to be because there's a ton to this scene and I think sure. you know there's an article written by uh Jeff Yang AKA Angry Asian Man, which might as well be my nickname as well, Um, (laughs) where he really does a deep dive into like all the symbolism of this scene. And it's just Mm -hmm. it's so good. It's so good you know, you, when you dive into it, like, you know, Mahjong itself is a game of sort of like reading the other person, reading the people around you and sort of figuring out, you know, how they're playing and what they actually need to to win, which sort of relates back again to, you know, what you guys talked about, Rachel being, you know, a professor of game theory, which is again, sort of like understanding the circumstances and understanding the players you're with. But, you know, even just like the little bits, like when like he talks about how like in the center you know, where all the discarded tiles are, like a lot of them are, you know, the bamboo tiles, which is sort of uh, supposed to be sort of a dig on like how they view Westerners as sort of like empty bamboo or like being very different. So I liked that. And then the, the tile that she actually gives up to win, she holds it for an extra long time. First of all, it's eight and it's bamboo. So eight, obviously we know is kind of like that sign for fortune and happiness. Um, but the fact that it's an eight of bamboo, it's like, oh, it's not just an eight, it's a Western eight. And that's what she's literally giving up to Eleanor in order for her to, you know, win, which is also sort of mirrors her act of denying or sort of turning down Nick's proposal. She's mm-hmm. literally giving up her happiness so that Eleanor can can win because she recognizes that it's a sort of like a no win scenario for her. So she might as well just sort of contribute to You know, the family's happiness because she's showing that again, like you guys talked about, she understands what she needs to do in order to sort of give it up for the family, understanding like what that that the importance of family first. And so I think, you know, it's just it's such a baller scene to me because she like even with that line where she's just like, I just want you to look back on this moment and remember like it was me like I'm Mm -hmm. the one who's responsible. Like me coming from this different world, totally understood these family aspects that you claimed I didn't. And I gave you this happiness and I'm responsible for it. It's such a like drop the mic moment where I'm just like, fuck yes. Like that's exactly (laughs) what you should be saying. You know, it's just, it's great and like you mm. just don't get those kind of scenes like romcoms. like you might get the long like speech or the long sort of like declaration of love that we get in the right. airplane proposal but you don't get that sort of like that very like mental aspect of like this is what's happening I recognize it and this is what I have to do in order to like make sure everybody else is happy
0: yeah this is a really great scene um, I'm not <laughs> going to give it as much justice as you just did and I don't I don't No mahjong i don't know how to play mahjong do you
1: i do yeah i mean my parents i mean that was also the other thing too it's like i played that with my parents all the time growing up too like that was a family thing that we did
0: right i think watching the movie the first time i had zero idea what was going on because i don't know what the tiles are what they mean or any kind of significance i was just kind of watching like okay okay i see what's going on and then boom mic drop yeah i didn't know what the significance of the tiles meant in terms of what she was giving up yeah i think that's why the scene has less impact yeah. on me than it does for you but i agree with you this scene is one of my favorite scenes for sure it really encapsulates everything and actually i think one of the trivial points i, I can't remember if this is true or not is that this mahjong scene was not in the original script they wrote it in because so they, they, they wanted did. to play an homage to joy luck club because i guess mahjong yes is very, very heavily big in that movie too yes very big that scene when Rachel walks out, grabs her mom, and her mom glares at Eleanor. Oof. Like, your heart just... See,
1: I don't know. you. Guys, I know you guys said it was glaring. I didn't really view it as a glare. It was like a knowing mm. look of like, yeah, that's what's up. You know, this is my daughter, and I'm proud of her. Like, I didn't really view it as mm. like a glaring at the mom. It was more sort of like... It was a look of pride, I thought. And I was just like, yes, I liked that.
0: I think it was a lot of looks. I think you're right. Like, she's proud of Rachel. But I think it's also like, she is too good for your son. Yeah. That's kind of the glare that I mean.
1: Yeah. I mean admittedly when I watched the scene the only thing I really caught I didn't actually catch the like the bamboo tiles in the middle part. I had I read about that later. I did catch mm-hmm. the the fact that the tile was an eight though cuz I was like of course it is. But I I understood like what she was doing. To, I mean it's what you do like you're paying attention to what people are picking up. I mean, mahjong is basically, you know, the tile version of Gin Rummy. So, like, you're going to understand, like, oh, people are picking up certain things. So, you know, like, what they're looking for. And you kind of get a read on that. But, yeah, I mean, I think even if you don't sort of fully understand all the symbolism that's happening, I think there is still a lot in that scene to unpack that makes it just such a good. There's just so much to it, which is why I love it so much.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It's a great scene. Any other second favorites?
1: Oh, I've got a couple. I'm not done. There's like three more. (laughs) Tell Uh, me. So the second one was Astrid, who's also my favorite character, by the way, played by Gemma Chan, who's just angelic. Astrid leaving her husband and her like delivering that sort of dagger of a line, it's not my job to make you feel like a man. I can't make you feel something you're not. It's like, oh,
0: shit. (laughs) (laughs) I think in the theaters, there was like a burst of applause. It was yeah. like, oh
1: shit, she did not just say yeah. that. She's 100% right. And it's great. And there's like, and I'm also glad that like there weren't any tears or anything like yeah. that. She was just sort of like, I'm owning this. You suck. And there's nothing that I did wrong. It was all your fault.
0: Mm. And
1: I just like that because it also sort of emphasizes again, like that role reversal I talked about earlier, where it's like the women are super strong in this movie and the men are all babies because he's mm-hmm. totally a coward. Yeah. Um. So I loved that scene.
0: Great scene,
1: and then the other one was uh, Rachel's uh, conversation with uh, Princess Intan at the at the wedding. So fun mm-hmm. trivia fact. If I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for you, but the the actress who plays Princess Intan, her name is Chris Aquino, and she's actually part of like the Filipino political like a p- political family there. Like she's the daughter of uh, a, a senator there who was like unfortunately assassinated and then mm. her brother was actually president of the philippines as well mm. but anyways that whole convo i thought was great because it sort of encapsulated like how different she was from everybody else because like you know the whole reason why the princess wanted to sit there is because she just didn't want to talk to anybody because she knew it was kind of my understanding was it felt like oh, i was just going to be all of a very superficial conversation that people weren't going to really connect with her on an intellectual level but mm-hmm. rachel goes up to her and immediately sort of you know flexes her econ muscles and talks about her article with her and then and just wins her over and i loved that like she was mm-hmm. i mean colin mentions it like from behind the scenes where he's just like oh it looks like you have a fighter and it's like yes that's true like she found a way and she connected in a way that she could using her mind not being like you know she wasn't pandering she was just herself mm-hmm. um so i loved that and then the last favorite scene was the dumpling scene because it's like who hasn't made dumplings with their family. Like, mm-hmm. I loved that. And then I also loved Oliver's line. Oliver is also one of my favorite <laughs> characters, but Oliver's line, it's like, you know, when he talks about how they all learned differently about how they made them. And he's like, I, on the other hand, like was taught by Grand Auntie Babel. You put the Botox <laughs> in the face, then you pinch, pinch, pinch. It's like, I love that. It was hilarious.
0: It was great. I love that dumpling scene also. Just, it, it kind of encapsulates a family and food to your point earlier. Yeah. Just really brings it all together. And who doesn't love a Don't- good dumpling?
1: Also, the other line that I thought was hilarious was, again, the sort of like the family tradition thing when Eleanor's like, you know, Amas says, if we don't pass traditions down like this, they'll disappear. And then Astrid, who's, this is why, again, why she's my favorite. She immediately says, God forbid we lose the ancient Chinese tradition of guilting of your guilt. children. Yes. And I was like,
0: yes, I hear you. That's 100%. Yes. I agree with you. Those are all great scenes. Um, I would be remiss to say if I didn't say the most impactful scene for me was obviously the ending. Yeah, the plane scene gets me every time. So I think the first time I saw this movie, I cried like three times in the movie. How did you give this less than an eight? It made you cry
1: three? <laughs> oh, gosh. That's the other thing, too. Like, I was listening to your episode, and I'm like, you guys are bringing up such good points, and why is your score so low? <laughs> uh, this is the thing. I, I will know. say, in your defense, I feel like it was an earlier episode, so you hadn't yet established, like, where your scale was. Mm-hmm, but I mm-hmm. would like to think after our conversation you will raise your score because there are there's so much
0: you are a very persuasive person john so it I might mean, happen we'll i see. try we'll
1: um. see come on come on we'll see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that that scene is just funny because you have that plain woman being like hello move along move along and she's also just like hanging on nick's every word during the proposal which is
1: so on point it's like you so, know so many so people like that it's so on point
0: <laughs> She's like, yes, she will marry you before uh, (laughs) Rachel can even say yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like once Nick busts out that ring, it's like all bets are off. She's crying. I'm crying. That to me was the the big gesture was that Nick won his mom's ring.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was also great.
0: Because we learned in the dumpling wrapping situation where. The mother-in-law didn't feel like she had earned the ring. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of significance. Yeah, because her
1: father. Oh, I guess yeah. Nick's father had to get that custom made because he, uh, the grandma, wouldn't give her her ring, which is also why I loved that so much too. Like it was just hitting home that whole like mirror Mm -hmm. of the journey of like, oh, I wasn't approved either, and I had to get a different ring, and she's doing the same thing, but she's actually giving the ring, giving the approval. It's like it's just a nice way to tie it together.
0: Agree. WTF moments? Do you have any?
1: Um, I mean, I think the general sort of like lavishness of everything was like kind of just a WTF for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I understand like to a certain extent, it has to be there to sort of like play up the sort of crazy rich aspect. But you know, yeah. that's also why I was like, when you guys were like, it didn't seem that lavish. I was like, it didn't seem that lavish to you? Like, <laughs> they were taking over like entire hotels. They had a freaking tanker for the bachelorette party, like oh, a yeah, bachelor yeah. party. And then they closed down a whole resort for her bachelorette party. Like, that's mm. insane. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> I think there's a line at the wedding where one of the aunts is like, oh, 40 million? Yes. Like, yeah, this should only be 20 million Yeah. or something like that. I was like, $40 million wedding. I don't know. I would expect... I don't know, live animals or something. I don't know. I mean, something they
1: happening. put a jungle inside a ginormous church and then the reception was in a big hotel with like a big band outside. That
0: band? Oh my gosh, it's like a 20-piece band.
1: I know, that's why I was like, I mean, maybe not 40 minutes, but this is definitely a very expensive wedding because I'm like, this is not the way weddings look. I <laughs> mean, you'd want to go to that wedding, right?
0: Yeah, I
1: would. I also enjoyed the fact that like a lot of that conflict, you know, like with the whole like revelation about like the investigation and the PI, it's like mm-hmm. it's all like a lot of that stuff is happening like in the dark. So of like emphasizing like the sort of like dark proceedings that are happening again mm. use of color appreciate it
0: a lot of symbolism
1: yeah so I liked that too and also how kind of like they're doing it like behind like in the bushes like behind all the like happy stuff that's happening
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um you mentioned Astrid I while I do love her and Gemma Chan, it's not a, a WTF per se it's just really strange I was re-watching this movie the other night and when the audience is introduced to Astrid, and we hear Nick in the background being like, Oh, she's really down to earth and warm once you get to know her. And the depiction of this groundedness is like her just approaching a random child and just like talking to her. I just found it a little strange that this is how they chose to depict her warmth and her down to earthness. It, it felt disconnected. I was like, This is kind of strange. I, I
1: mean, I agree with your point partially. I mean, I think it's set up by the fact that the daughter's trying to get the mom's attention to talk about what she did to her doll and she's being neglected. And that's why Astrid going over to talk to her shows that she's like, you know, very generous because she's like sees that the daughter is not getting the attention that she needs. And so that's why she's stepping in to like show that <laughs> yeah. even though she's there for like you to know, spend millions of dollars on jewelry, she understands that like the little things are important because I mean. Honestly, you wouldn't expect someone to do that. I mean, I, I will agree with you that it's a little bit, it's a little bit much to sort of emphasize it that way, but I get yeah. where they're coming from.
0: <laughs> and then my last one is just, I, I forget if I mentioned it in the previous recording, is that Rachel and Nick shouldn't be able to get off the plane after the proposal. <laughs> I know you got you in. Did I say it?
1: You and Frank were so hung up about that. It was just <laughs> like, I mean, people leave the plane sometimes. Like, they But get you're t- not
0: supposed you're not to. supposed
1: to, but like, you can. It's not like they're gonna. Can keep- you? I mean, if there was like some sort of emergency and you lie and say like you have to get off the plane, like they would let you off. But I think
0: I thought that TSA doesn't allow that because they would fear that you checked in and then like planted a bomb on the plane and then got off the plane. Like, I think that there are like legal ramifications so. of of like checking in and getting off a plane i don't think you're allowed to do that again that's why planes don't leave unless all checked in guests such a nitpick it bothers me so much i don't know why but there it is
1: i mean there are worse things you could be nitpicky about so it's fine but i get it that's That's
0: all i got (laughs) what are your thoughts on the ending I liked
1: the ending, you know, again, it made sense. And I also enjoyed like, you know, Rachel sticking up for herself and like not mm-hmm. needing to be saved by Nick. A lot of the times with like rom-com endings, it's like, oh, you know, Nick realized what a mistake he made. And like, that's why he like had to go and, and you know, they would have just done the proposal and that would have been it, but they didn't do that. They like, Rachel like turned it down, and was like, no, I'm not going to do this because this is not, mm-hmm. you know, this is not going to be the happy ending. Like things need to get resolved. Like her having the sense of knowing that There are things that need to be cleared up first. There are like a lot of ramifications of this and like having, you know, no having the foresight of knowing like I need to do certain things in order to make sure this is okay. And so I think that's why I liked that they didn't sort of just skip to the the happy ending part. They built up to it and Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, had that amazing mahjong scene because it's again Mm -hmm. was everything.
0: Yeah, I, th- I mean, to continue your point, is that there's this one scene when Paiklin, who we haven't even talked about, Aquafina yet. Yes. Aquafina and Rachel are talking before the wedding. And Rachel's like, I don't think I want to go to the wedding. Aquafina convinces her. But what she says stuck out to me. She said something like, she doesn't want you to like her. It's not about like, it's about respecting each other. Yeah. And so I think once we fast forward to the end, Rachel gets the mom's ring. And then at the roof of the Marina Bay Sands in Singapore at this hotel, they have this knowing look yeah. across the room. And that look, to me, really kind of gives that closure, that relationship, that closure that there is now that respect. And that's kind of all that there needed to be. We don't necessarily need to like each other, right? right. Like, but I feel seen, I feel heard, and I feel respected. And that's kind of all I want. It's
1: like, I don't like you, but damn it, I respect you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What a complex emotion to have.
1: I know, but see, again, complex emotion is pretty much the theme of this movie, mm. which is why yeah. I'm here for it. But I guess, yeah, to your point about Paik Lin, uh, I did enjoy her character. I hesitate to call her my favorite, like one of my favorite characters, but I appreciate mm-hmm. like her being the plucky sidekick in a fun way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's important that she sort of was the support system for her. And that's why it was like, she still played the role of like, you know, that the ever important best friend. And so, yeah, I, I did appreciate like her sort of being her guide also through the the crazy world of Singapore being like, you're going to go in that. And she like gives, does the whole like makeover and everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, she was great. Um, Harry Shum Jr., Yes, thirty seconds of screen time, if that.
1: But again, it's like sort of in very like MCU fashion. It's like that post-credit scene of like, and this is what's gonna happen in the next one, and that's mm-hmm. why I also kind of was like, I, I like it. I also like a Harry Shum Jr. too.
0: I, I love him. He's so good. He's a good-looking I just, dude.
1: I will say it. Like I don't have, very I, good-looking I, yeah. dude
0: can dance. Again, let's sexualize and normalize the <laughs> sexualization of Asian American so men. Shirtless
1: in the next movie, you're gonna be so <laughs> upset. <laughs>
0: He's not hard to look at, that's for sure. But yeah, he's like top build in this movie. We get 30 seconds of him at the end. But do you know the context of this relationship? I know
1: because I looked it up later that he's like Astrid's ex-fiancee. Yes. And he is also like crazy rich as well. And there yes. was like a whole aspect of like he was actually the one, well, actually, I don't know if I should talk about what happens the next one in case people, I, I don't want to like spoil I don't know how much they're going to follow the book. Right, but right. I know, I guess, spoiler alert, yeah. So if you don't want to hear potentially what be <laughs> happening in the next movie, you should maybe skip ahead like five to 10 seconds or 15 seconds. Yeah. He funded uh, Astrid's, I guess, now ex-husband's company. And that's the reason why he was able to, you know, even have his company. So, you know, that's a source mm. of tension because he's also married. So that's awkward.
0: Oh, you do remember or like from what? I, wikipedia says yes, i don't I really remember this one the, the
1: details so I was like ooh that's <laughs> juicy like when frank called the the novels like trashy later I was like that's kind of shocking that frank was so into them they're like I guess i wouldn't expect Frank to be to like i think his novels. word
0: and use of trashy is not necessarily a dig i think it's more like mindless fun entertaining no needs. i mean I don't think
1: it's a dig either like people you know there's things that people like that they know they know it's trashy and i guess i'm just surprised that he likes something that he feels or he would label as is trashy oh
0: yeah i think he surprised himself too that's why that was something but, that again
1: I why again, his rating didn't oh gosh he made so many good points and i was like come on man like seriously a seven like come on
0: who rated it higher me or him do you remember i don't
1: remember who rated it higher. i think you might have been higher than h- him because i oh, okay. think you were you No, know, you were at a seven something and he gave it like i think he averaged it out to i think or no um, i think you were 7.1 and he was like seven and i was just like no no fam that's not that's not <laughs> right no because he's like oh you know like cultural significance and like I mean, he was like it's an eight and he's like oh but the movie itself is a six whole so average i was like no you should have just stuck with the eight that i wouldn't have been as upset by but a seven no
0: <laughs> you're right that sounds like a very frank answer
1: it was a very frank there were a lot of like very frank answers I was just like oh frank
0: <laughs> yep. i know try hey, being married to him I, I
1: mean again i'm not bashing frank frank is a very lovable individual i love you frank but there are several aspects where i'm like you're wrong
0: he's wrong often i mean we don't have to uh, let's just move along okay <laughs>
1: were you about to ask the do the characters stay together thing yeah it's <laughs>
0: unnecessary but i do want to
1: say i think so because like one of the things I also was wanted to point out was I know Mm. you guys had said like, Oh, I guess you both sort of felt like they were going to stay together, but there were questions about like how exactly they would stay together. But I think the parts that you guys missed was sort of like the family obligations are not done because they talked about how Nick is supposed to be the one to take over. And they didn't actually establish if Nick is going to like eventually come back or if he, by marrying um, Rachel is just going to stay in New York forever. Like they never Mm -hmm. really resolved that. Right. So I think like that is the real sort of main factor of like what would determine if they can actually stay together or not. And then plus the, I know like Frank had brought up the paparazzi aspect, but that was assuming they're staying in Singapore, like in New York, it's not as big of a deal because people don't know who he is there. So if they did stay together and just stayed in New York, like they wouldn't ha- really have that issue. It's only an issue if they decide to move back to Singapore and he does take mm-hmm. over the family business and all that. And then that's where it's like unclear how things would pan out. But if they end up staying together and staying in New York, I think, yeah, they'll stay together for sure.
0: Yeah. The logistics of this relationship seem very, very difficult to manage, right? Bicontinental.
1: If they do that.
0: Right, right.
1: But that's also why I was like, we can bring it up because I was like, there is aspects to it that we can't just sweep under the carpet. (laughs)
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it in the other recording as well, but I think the biggest challenge their relationship will be is just how do they move forward? with all that's happening, your
1: favorite what do we do now
0: (laughs) yeah what do we do now what what happens next what do we do now like the mother-in-law will always be a looming figure in their relationship and we also don't know how
1: the father feels like what if the father comes back from doing business and they're like and he's like i don't want this 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 woman either
0: very fair a lot of complexity for sure and the grandma
1: still doesn't approve so Mm -hmm. we'll see how that rolls
0: So with the movie that you're giving a 9.5, you clearly like, this is a very beloved movie to you. Yes. Do you think this movie is seen that way among other people?
1: I think it'll definitely be seen that way by some people just because from the representation aspect, um, you know, I think it's, it's super important, but I think as it stands as a movie itself, like, you know, it did pretty decently in the, in the, in the box office, there's going to be a Mm -hmm. sequel. So I think it's not, every rom-com that gets a sequel so i think there there's a reason for that so i think there is definitely a lot to like about this movie and i think it'll actually have some longevity to it
0: i am shocked that this movie did so well not that i'm not happy about it i'm just I, I'm really not shocked <laughs> Like 200, what did I say? $238 million. I know. Like that's astronomical.
1: But I think it's also because like, you know, you and I, you know, we both talked about how we wanted to help with the opening weekend numbers. It's like, we're Mm -hmm. not the only people who felt that way. Like it's pretty much most of the Asian community was like, we need to make sure this movie succeeds. So we're going to go watch it. So I think it's 100% believable that people bumped that number up. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see it as many times admittedly as, as I watched some Marvel movies. Don't hate me, but uh, I still watched it more than once in the theater, which is more than I can say oh, wow. for most other rom coms. Actually, literally no other rom com I've seen more than once in the theater, but this one I did.
0: Wow! Oh wow! That says a lot. Supporting my peoples. There you go. I will say though, I there's I mean many reasons why this movie did so well, but I think what this movie had going for it was a fresh face, Henry Golding. Yes. As Nick Young, I think he really brought a special mysteriousness to the movie. He's like, oh, who is this hottie? Let me go check this movie out. I don't know why I just said hottie. That's really weird. But, you know, because he was... you
1: think he's a hottie. <laughs> That's why hottie.
0: I haven't called anyone a hottie in like 15 years. You mean besides your but... husband,
1: Frank? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think Henry Golding did a really great job. You know, he's not an actor or he wasn't before this movie. Yeah. And he brought this very natural sense ability to this character, and I really, really dug that about him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you and Frank talked about it. How his only previous work before was just as like a travel TV host, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Have, have you actually watched clips of that show, by the way? I have not. It's it's interesting to see him go from that to this. I'll just really, I'll just leave In it. In a at good that. way, okay. I'll All just right. leave I'm it at intrigued. that. You I'll can watch just some. like it's just interesting because he just like you know. I mean, you can make your own judgments about it. I'll just say it's interesting. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I thought he did a good job in this movie, and I think that's why, you know, he got other roles. I mean, you guys brought up The Gentleman in in his other movie, and his character in that movie is very, very different Mm -hmm. from this one, which is, it's nice to see that he does have some range, because I thought he was good in that movie, too. I wish Snake Eyes, the movie he had been in, was a little bit better, just because I'm still kind of like, I know it's probably not going to happen, but I would not be... that opposed to him being the next bond um which was something Ooh. that people had talked about because you know he's british and like you know he's 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 half asian but he's half white so it's like mm-hmm. he could still pull it off and i wouldn't be opposed yeah but yeah i mean i enjoyed his work in this movie and i thought he was a good leading man and i think we'll see how his career goes i hope it's not you know i hope there's more big stuff to come
0: so we established this movie is only three years old yeah Has it aged well in the past three years? Are there things that you think could be done differently? I mean, I know you guys had brought up that
1: whole scene with, uh, you know, Ken Jong's character making comments about Rachel's figure. Frank did not seem to think it was an issue, I guess, or Mm -hmm. didn't view it as like being as big of an issue in comparison to from then till now. I disagree and think it actually would be potentially an issue. Um, just because you know we're in the age of me too so I feel like the emphasis on like I guess how women's bodies are like viewed or portrayed or sort of mm-hmm. ideal or like idealized or like commented on is is still is more of an issue now than it was in 2018 so that to me yeah. is like the only real sort of sticky point um but otherwise you know I think it's aged pretty well I mean the the aspects of it are still pretty relevant the whole like right. messaging gossip montage of all the messaging is still, Something that could happen now, too.
0: Yeah, I stand by what I said in the first episode, which was, yeah, I think it is strange and not okay that Ken Jong is commenting on Rachel's body. But as you were saying that, I will say that I had this thought in my mind where there have been men of a certain age who have commented on my body. Mm-hmm. Not in a sexual way, but mm-hmm. it's just like in a very blunt, matter of fact way. It's like, oh, you look different now. It's like, well, yeah, like the last time you saw me was when I was 10 years old. So naturally, my body looks differently. Mm-hmm. So that has happened to me before. That doesn't make it okay.
1: Yeah, but that's different from saying, look at that butt, like, you know, see, she- oh, yeah, yeah. yeah That's a very different thing besides like, oh, you've obviously grown up since I've last seen you. Like, that's, that's not the same. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes. It's just, I feel like in in the asian generation of our parents it's very common where i will receive blunt comments of yeah oh you've gained weight or oh you look different it's like yeah oh okay so this is where we are i haven't seen you in x years but we'll just comment on each other's bodies so that is not okay no matter what in my opinion however but yes still stand by the ken jong commenting on her ass is not okay
1: But I think in that context, it was weird because it was the father of her friend. If it had been like, I mean, I think like if the grandma had said something along those lines, well, it might have been a little weird if she had said that. But (laughs) like the fact that she's commenting on her physical appearance is not weird. I think the fact that it's a father of her friend and it's a guy doing it to a girl is what's weird. Do I think necessarily mm. they would like make an effort to cut it out? Like I don't know, but I'm just it's still worth pointing out and discussing, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so I have some trivia which is probably not interesting to you since it seems like you've done a lot of research.
1: I mean, I like this movie.
0: <laughs> um so most of Aquafina scenes were improvised, which is yes. not a surprise to me. Yeah. Netflix wanted to produce the film originally. And they gave Kevin Kwan, the author of this book, a big budget, but he turned it down for a $30 million budget from Warner Brothers because he thought that this movie needed to be produced by a studio and not Netflix. Important. Yes, very important. Director John Chu revealed that Michelle Yeoh was dissatisfied with the mock-up ring that her character Eleanor was going to wear. She showed him a ring from her personal collection. Which is the Emerald's diamond ring that ends up being in the movie. So that's Michelle's
1: Wow, that's her personal actual ring. piece of
0: jewelry. Ooh. Isn't that insane? Wow. Legend.
1: Yeah, I mean, wow, that's that's pretty nuts, actually.
0: It's so nuts. I, I wonder how many carrots. I'm pretty sure this information's out there, but I'm I did sure. not look into it. It's beautiful.
1: Oh, I do have a note here. You gave this movie a seven point one, which mm. and then I literally put in caps criminally low. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that criminally low. So
1: I do have, I do know what your score was, but I'm pretty sure Frank's was, yeah, it was a seven. Cause I remember he's, he was averaging out.
0: Yeah. He was averaging out in
1: classic hour. Frank fashion.
0: Um, do I give this movie a 7.5? Let me think. I mean, you brought up, up a lot bump of it good up, points. Pump it up. <laughs> Let's go. I want to give you the satisfaction, but at the same time, I don't want to give you the satisfaction.
1: Come on.
0: Oof. What am I going to give this movie? I feel like, it's become this thing where you're trying to change my score at the end well, of that's
1: the whole point of revisiting it isn't it <laughs> <laughs> like i have the reason why we're revisiting is because i was like michelle come on what are you doing what are you doing like Frank's score is Frank's score which i still also think is low but if you're willing to come up to a 7.5 already like looking at where you've been rating other movies mm-hmm. like i think you have to recognize that this is deserves To be higher, like it ticks off all your boxes. It doesn't make any commentary about hating on rom-coms, which is usually the big (laughs) one for you. It still has the fairy tale aspect. You still get the romance. It has other aspects that of comedy that you liked. It made you cry, and it still was funny too.
0: Like, what more do you want? All right, fine, John, you win. I'll give it an eight. Yes, (laughs) I got you up a point. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. You make very good points, and in the end, like this movie does bring me a lot of joy. Yes. It's not a perfect movie by any means. I mean, no Um, rom-com
1: is perfect, but...
0: But I think it really did move the needle forward for us as a people in many ways. Yes. It's culturally significant.
1: Yes. Notice, I didn't even bring up the cultural stuff like as part of the score, but if you really throw that in there, then it's even higher than an eight. So I'm just saying
0: no idea you had such a love for this movie i'm glad that we got we got to talk about it
1: yeah but that's also why i was hounding you so much about it because i was like what did you guys do to this movie
0: are you kidding me I remember, I remember when this movie came out. You were like, Michelle, no, 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 no. We got to talk about this. Well, because
1: I remember specifically when we first, when when we first discussed me coming on the podcast. I was like looking through other episodes to be like, oh, like we'll see, like what the flow is. And then I wa- I listened to this one expecting to be like, oh, they're gonna just be effusive in their praise of how great this movie is because it like ticks all the rom com boxes, but it also like hits home with so many of the cultural references. And you're all like, oh, you know, we gave it like a seven. I was like, what? <laughs> I was incredulous.
0: Fair, fair, fair. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking now, now that you mentioned this, is that like, I think the movies that I rate really high, as I mentioned, there's a nostalgia factor. Yes. And I think that maybe a part of it also is, is that the movies that I rate really high, there's some kind of aspirational feeling.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I don't get that with this movie really i think the way that they resolve the conflict as as we talked about is very mature and a very healthy relationship yeah like i'm thinking about you've got mail for example like that's a movie i really love and it's definitely a problematic film in many ways i was gonna say please However,
1: don't compare to that movie but okay I continue.
0: <laughs> but i saw that at a very particular point in time in my life where i was like i want to be in new york i want to live on the west side there was that aspirational element to it and Yay. this lacks that for me so i think that's just i'm just saying like that that's one nuance perhaps of why this movie is not as strong of a contender right in my personal feelings
1: my pushback on that would be though if you watched this movie even not necessarily at the same time as when you've got mail came out but like basically like even if you will watch this pre-marriage I think there are various aspects of this movie that you would aspire to because Mm -hmm. it's like who, you know, why wouldn't you want to be a strong independent woman who stands her ground and like finds love, but like finds it on her terms. And Mm -hmm. also, you know, does it in a way where she still gets to maintain her dignity and maintain her happiness while not sort of like having to destroy a family, but like understanding, like, that's also part of the reason why I like it is like her character is a very likable character. Like she develops she still develops during the movie even though if you just took her as she was at the beginning of the movie there's not actually anything wrong with her she's a strong woman who like Mm -hmm. found love and she's not like you know trying to like change anything about change herself herself at all and she doesn't need to um Mm -hmm. but she instead like shows like what she's capable of to the family and that's how she gets acceptance and i think like that's something that like anybody would aspire to be
0: yeah True. I think I took that for granted in in, in the character of Rachel. It's just timing, think, Michelle.
1: It's just timing. But otherwise, yeah. if you just look at it independently, like objectively <laughs> as a movie, it's got such good like lessons and aspects to it.
0: I agree with you. And I think you you brought up a really good point. This movie was post marriage for me. Like I saw this, not, you know, after my marriage you know you know what I mean. I yes. saw this movie after I got married. Right. So that probably has something to do with that as I well. I think it totally
1: does because if you saw this pre-marriage, I feel like this would be easily a nine for you, but just saying.
0: That's a really good point. I'll have to consider that for future conversations.
1: I'm just here to bring truth. That's all I got to say.
0: <laughs> I appreciate it. You brought a lot of truths to this episode. Um, before we wrap it up, do you have any last thoughts or takes on this? Oh, so
1: I will say I teased this, but yeah, there's obviously, again, a ton of Marvel connections to it, which I will bring up because I'm a nerd about that stuff. But Michelle Leo, Aquafina, and Ronnie Shang were all in Shang-Chi. So Mm -hmm. this is, they got to work together again. Gemma Chan, who we mentioned before, was in Captain Marvel and will be in the Eternals.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And then uh, Remy High, who was Alistair, was in Spider-Man Far From Home. So the MCU strikes again.
0: I love it. So my last thing is I did some digging on China Rich Girlfriend, which again, is is the sequel in the books. Uh I was like, what's going on with this movie? Is it still happening? So as of now, there's no update. There's no actual script. Yeah. There was some shuffling because Adele Lim, one of the screenwriters on the first one, she exited the project of this second one because there was a pay disparity between the writers.
1: Ooh, that's not good.
0: They yeah, they don't have a script that's completed, and I don't think like they have the actors' schedules that are aligned because you know Gemma Chan obviously, every everyone's busy these days. Yeah. So
1: who knows? But they have signed on. I know Constant Wu. was signed on, and I know like uh, Henry Golding was signed on too. So hmm we'll see I mean
0: I'm eagerly awaiting I will definitely be seeing this in the theaters because I'm excited and we I hope that it does well but I just I have no idea when this will happen we
1: should make a pact now to see it together I will fly Let's do it. I will fly out and hang out with you and we should go watch this movie <laughs> Wow.
0: we'll make a trip out of it
1: John. and then we can immediately record the podcast afterwards I'm just kidding
0: <laughs> I love that proposal well thank you so much John.
1: Yes, I appreciate you. I appreciate you humoring me and allowing me the opportunity to convince you that this movie deserves more, and that I'm glad you actually did give it more. I hope it wasn't completely just me bullying you, but I'm also not opposed to if I did bully you and guilt you into it.
0: <laughs> I, I happily increase my score. Good. I appreciate you opening my eyes. Happy to do it. Um, we'll talk soon. Yes. To you, listeners out there, please let us know what you think of Crazy Rich Asians. What would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? And we'll chat with you again next week. Bye!